Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Stampede Radio. I'm your host, Chris Blystone, and I'm joined by Jim Campbell and Chris Shepard. Guys, it has been a while. Yeah, it has. Hey, Chris. Hey. Yeah, it's it's been a long time, too long. Um, it, it's that part of the season, and it's not as bad as it does get uh, once we get past the draft and, and you know everything, but it's this stretch of the season that's just a little bit slow. It's that in-between time. Uh, where there's just not a whole lot of, of football information to talk about. We got free agency that's kind of on the horizon, uh, but we're still in this sort of lull right now. And if you're into the draft, this is a good time for you. But if you're not, or if you just aren't really all that plugged into the draft, uh, it's a little rough. And so we're going to try to provide you some entertainment. I can't promise there's going to be a <laughs> ton of exciting football content that you're going to get from this. And, and if you don't find us entertaining it, you may as well just go ahead and tune out now. But I disagree we, completely. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we're entertaining. At least I'm exactly. entertaining. But but yeah. hey, I mean, <laughs> if you if you don't think so, fine. I mean, that's it's not going to not going to hurt our feelings. We don't have anything too critical to share with you. But we are going to talk about a few things, uh, some news items, some some interesting free agency stuff, some interesting draft kind of tidbits and things that are coming up. We're going to talk about the draft guide that's actually on pre-order from uh, I believe it started this week, maybe last week late. Uh, we started the, the pre-order for the 2020 uh, draft guide, but this will be the third year that we've done that. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the improvements there. And we're just going to meander here, there, and everywhere. So just hang with us. Uh, but first off, guys, I wanted to talk briefly about this news that we we mentioned right at the uh, right before we started. We were talking uh, some draft stuff. And so the Colts pick at 13 and the, the buzz has been about the quarterback position. There's a lot of questions. It's an interest. It's a weird year for quarterbacks. Uh, Drew Brees just announced that he's going to be coming back and playing in 2020. So, uh, the, the presumption is that he's going to make a deal with the, the saints and he's going to be back with the saints, but they don't have a lot of cap space. Uh, Tom Brady has said he's coming back. Um, but he's not got a deal established with, uh, with the Patriots. You've got, Andy Dalton, who prospectively, as we'll get into a little bit later, will be unseated by Joe Burrow. Um, you've got guys like Jameis Winston. You've got Philip Rivers, who's now already gone from the Chargers. They've already agreed to part ways. You have all of these moving pieces that are going to be like swirling into the stew of whatever it is to find a starting quarterback uh, for this offseason. And the Colts are kind of in the midst of this. Um, Jim, what is your first impression of just all of this craziness that's going on as far as free agency goes? And do you think the Colts take a quarterback at 13? Do you think they draft a guy later and pick up a free agent guy? Or do you think they roll with Jacoby? Uh, don't draft anybody, draft somebody late. What, what do you think the Colts do if you just have to take a shot in the dark? Oh, yes, all of it. I, cause I, have, I honestly have no idea. <laughs> All of those um, things. Okay, draft, yeah, draft, I, draft one at thirteen. Sign one and draft Kobe, one later. Yeah, and and, and <laughs> five quarterbacks like, on the roster. It's fine. You know what? The best way to solve a lack of quarterbacks is to throw as many quarterbacks at it as possible. Um, that would be I, a really interesting strategy if Ballard if Ballard just like traded up and drafted like three quarterbacks in, in a quarterback in like three consecutive rounds. I mean. It would be hard to argue that he was not a man trying to please the people there, but I think fans might be a little frustrated. Guys, 
Guys, we have 10 draft picks. Let's let's take a quarterback with every pick, and we'll yep. find one guy that can play. Somebody then, will be the then, right one. And then we'll, we'll sign Brady and bench him. <laughs> yeah, actually, that would be the best-case scenario. Yeah, that's seriously, yeah. just take all the quarterbacks off the board, including Tom Brady, and just end his career, and probably about four other quarterbacks in the process. I want to sign Brady and put him in as a kick returner. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's great! Yeah, uh, so, man. I, I, you know, I, I, I've been, unfortunately, even though it has been fairly slow, I've been uh, out of the loop on a lot of things. To be honest with you, um, going through my wife's cancer stuff, and now we're moving to Florida. Um, I'm, I'm all over the place. So you know, I started seeing all the stuff kicking around with Rivers and people photoshopping Colts jerseys on the Philip Rivers, and that just like made my skin crawl a little bit. Uh, but like, I get it. And, um, you know, looking at the, the possibilities, especially with um, what we already have at quarterback, which we, we feel like we saw quite a bit of what we already have at quarterback this last season. And most of us are underwhelmed in that case. So, but we've also said, I think we said quite a bit before that, we think potentially Jacoby is the starting quarterback going into next season because we think mm-hmm. he's going to, they're going to draft somebody and, and go that route and not sign some, you know, free agent on his way out of his career. So I still think I'm kind of leading with that, that I don't know if we pick at 13, I think potentially we will try to trade up in that top 10 um, if we can, but this is my kind of, you know, pie in the sky outlook of that and and we get somebody who maybe needs to still sit for a year um who that's going to be i'm not in the draft unfortunately <laughs> as much as i would like to have been at this point i actually got really excited when i started doing the show i was like man i'm really gonna pay attention to the draft this year and i'm gonna get into it early and i'm gonna talk about it on the show and then my life just decided that that's not going to happen at all for me and so like not having done this show for a while with you guys i am so out of what is happening draft wise in any way, shape, or form? So that's just my pie in the sky there. That we're going to trade up. They'll sit behind Jacoby for a year, and then we'll sort it out after that. What do you think, Shepard? I, I I tend to to think that makes sense, but what do you think? So I think um, I think that based on the quarterbacks that are in this draft, I think there are going to be some guys that that Chris Ballard and his staff look at, and and they're they're going to like the. The intangibles are not necessarily intangibles. I'm sorry. The um, the traits that these guys have, um, Jordan Love in particular. I know a lot of Colts fans want to talk about Jordan Love. There are other quarterbacks in this draft uh, that are that do have good intangibles. Um, you know, nobody's going to want to talk about Jacob Eason at 13. I think that that's probably early for him. But you look at what he's got, and you know, physically, from a physical standpoint, he's got a lot of the things that you're looking for. So I think that there are going to be guys in the draft that Chris Ballard will identify and like uh, that will be available, um, you know, after, you know, the third through fifth pick. Um, Now, I think that a lot of it is just going to come down to whether or not they think that those guys that do have, you know, the arm talent that throw with, you know, touch, timing, anticipation, the guys that that show an ability to progress through reads and, and do some of those things, you know, we're not going to get a perfect quarterback prospect if we're not drafting, you know, one or two overall and even one or two overall guys, there is no perfect quarterback prospect this year. If Tua were perfectly healthy, he would be as close as you get. Um, but he's not, he, he has that injury history. So there's no perfect quarterback prospect. So whoever we get, um, is probably going to need to develop. Uh, and you know, with what Jim talked about with, um, bringing in a, a veteran or, or having Jacoby start, um, you know, like we talked about, Jacoby Brissett, uh, he he had a really rough end to the year. In the last the last football we saw Brissett play was was tough to watch. It wasn't good, but he had the first half of the season before his injury where he, you know, I don't want to overstate it. He wasn't a superstar, and he didn't look like a guy that would ever be a superstar, but he was a guy that could win you games as long as you had a, a solid team around him. Um, he, he wasn't going to lose games for you. He was going to do everything he could to, to keep you in the game, and, and you were going to be there ready to win it at the end. So, uh, you know, I, I think that 
it's tough for the Colts to move on from that, especially considering that he's under contract. Um, and the fact that you look at the free agent quarterbacks and you, you kind of see, you know, who's going to upgrade him in a huge way, in a way that who's going to upgrade him enough uh, to warrant replacing him. And I just, even with the quarterbacks that are going to be on the market this year, I just don't think that there's anyone that upgrades him at a level high enough to warrant it, you know, just bringing a new guy in and introducing him and getting to know his teammates and getting familiar with everyone. I, you know, I get it. If, if Chris Ballard thinks that Philip Rivers is exponentially better than Jacoby Brissett, you know, he'll bring him in. I just, I don't see it. I, you know, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, but I, you know, I've been wrong before. So I, I think that it makes sense. I think that the Colts will have to move up. I don't, I still don't buy that. You know, teams aren't going to take a guy like Jordan Love in the top 10. Uh, we see it every year. Teams need quarterbacks, and Jordan Love has a lot of really good, a lot of really good aspects to his game, some questionable decision making. So if the Colts want to get a guy like that, I, I think that they're going to have to move up and they're going to have to be aggressive and go get the guy that they want. And yeah, you know, I think that having whoever we pick, if the Colts do pick a quarterback, sit, sit for a year, I think that's the best case scenario. And and uh, the most fun thing is going to be talking about it for the next couple of months until it actually happens. Mm-hmm. So I've been going back and forth on this because there's a part of me that there's a part of me that wants the Colts not to pick a quarterback at 13 um, because I have a player that I want the Colts to pick at 13 <laughs> and it's not a quarterback. Um, I want Henry Ruggs on our football team. And, um, so I don't know how much you guys have watched Henry Ruggs. He is like a bigger Tyreek Hill, um, less the, ch- you know, child abuse, I think. And mm, that's good. so, yeah, alleged, alleged child abuse and whatnot, but no alleged child abuse is still a, yeah, that's an improvement. Yeah. That's right. an improvement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he is an incredible player to watch. I watched him and uh, I, because initially when we were planning out the draft guide, I had receivers. And so I thought I was going to get a jump on it. And then uh, my position group got switched and I don't have receivers anymore. So I've watched like the top five guys pretty carefully and I just can't stop watching Henry Ruggs. I mean, I, I did not want to, I watched like most guys for our draft guide. I watched three games uh, and then I go back and watch more if I need to differentiate if I if I've got guys who are close. I think I watched eight games of his because I just wanted to keep watching him play. Um, he, he was just so incredible, and I thought, man, if you put this guy across from Ty, I think that Jacoby could find a way to get him the ball. Um, and so there's a part of me that thinks, man, if you don't feel really good about a quarterback in this draft. And we don't know if the Colts do or don't, I guess. I mean, I've watched some Jordan love. I have some questions if his junior and senior years were flipped and he had finished the way that his junior or not junior and senior year, pardon me, his, uh, well, I guess it was his, I guess he did technically graduate, but anyway, if his 2018 and 19 seasons had been flipped, uh, and his production was flipped in those two seasons, I think you'd be talking about him as a very high pick in this draft because of how good his 2018 season was. And so I get the hype. He's a fun player to watch. I watch him and I get excited, but he makes a lot of kind of stupid decisions. And if you don't feel really good about him and about your ability to, to coach him or somebody like Justin Herbert uh, or, you know, or, or a Jacob Eason in a later round or something like that, if you don't feel really good about any of those guys and you don't think that they offer you an upgrade, even at the long term, um, man, it'd be really hard to pass up a guy with the kind of talent that Henry Ruggs has or somebody like Javon Kinlaw. Uh, at defensive tackle that you could get that really looks like they could be a big time difference maker at 13. Um, Because if you, I mean, if you hit on a guy like that, your team is absolutely better. And yes, if you hit on a quarterback, that's big. Um, But if you miss on one, you've also missed on an opportunity to improve a different spot on your roster that definitely needs it. And the Colts wide receiver uh, room was not good. Uh, I think it, that's more than fair to say uh, Jacoby had his work cut out for him trying to get the ball to the guys who are on that field. And I think probably if you gave him two or three really good receivers, um, you could expect better play out of him. I mean, I know that we don't think he's the long-term answer, but I think if you gave him 
a guy who is a, a number one caliber quality receiver across from T.Y. And then you've got a, a resurgent year from Paris Campbell if he's able to stay healthy. You've got a solid receiving group. You ought to be able to make something happen. Uh, so it wouldn't be the end of the world if um, if the Colts decided not to take a quarterback in this, you know, in this draft and then kind of kick the can down the road till next year. Um, my question is, if they decided not to take a quarterback at all, let's say they do not take one at all in, in the 2020 draft. Do you think they go after a different free agent or do you think they roll with things the way they are? So I personally think they roll with things the way that they are. Um, again, I, you know, I just don't see, uh, I just don't see a free agent on the market that at this point in their career is going to be so much better than Jacoby. It's, it's time to, you know, upset the apple cart. Um, I think that, you know, I think to your point about not drafting a quarterback, I think that I, if they're not sold on somebody, I don't want them to draft a quarterback. I would rather, I I would rather have, I'd rather have another two, three, even three years of Jacoby Brissett. I know that like there are people (laughs) that are are screaming, throwing their phones. I'm, I'm guessing that someone just got fired from work because they cursed really loudly in their cubicle (laughs) while listening to this podcast. Um, But I would rather have three years of Jacoby Brissett than to take a guy in the first round and have the coaching staff and the, the scouting staff not be totally sold on him because that's going to set us back five years, not just three. That's going to set us back mm-hmm. five. And we know I, I personally believe Jacoby Reset is good enough. If the team is good enough around him to get us to, to eight, nine, 10 wins every year for three years. And, you know, maybe I'm naive, but if you get to 10 wins and you get in the playoffs, you've got a shot, you know, it, it's not a great shot with jo- Jacoby Brissett as your quarterback, but it's a shot all the same. And if we draft a quarterback, you know, in the first round and he's not the guy, then for the next five years, we have no shot. So, you know, it, you know, whether it's a, a guy like Ruggs or Kinlaw or whoever it is, um, you know, I, I would rather them go that route and not draft a guy. And even if they don't draft a guy, I just don't think that, I just don't think that there's a guy out there. The, the one guy that I would be intrigued about, we don't know if he's going to be a free agent, is Derek Carr from the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if he becomes available, maybe, maybe you look that way because he was a legitimate MVP candidate in 2017 when the Colts broke his leg. Um, so you know, sorry about your luck Raiders. So, so um, bad. I, yeah. I honestly do still kind of, not that I have any involvement in it, but it right. still kind of hurts a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That was terrible for him, but yeah. so, you know, it, bringing him in, putting him with Frank Reich and seeing if he's maybe a guy that could kind of regain some of that form. I wouldn't be opposed to that necessarily. Um, but at the same time, I, based on what we saw from Derek Carr last year, I don't know that he's a lot better than Jacoby Brissett. So um, it, it's a really, it, man, it's just a wild situation that the Colts are in right now. Yeah, it really is. And it's a wild situation the league in total is in in terms of the quarterback, because I don't think I can remember any time where there were this many high profile free agents uh, and and guys that could be potentially available for trade in addition to quarterbacks being picked at the top of the draft. And so that kind of segues us right into the next topic that we discussed briefly, and that is uh, Joe Burrow has potentially made things really interesting. Uh, this is kind of going around uh, in terms of various circles and and terrified Bengals fans. But Joe Burrow's come out and talked about uh, in an interview about how the Bengals have leverage, but he also has leverage. Uh, and then he's kind of weighing his options and going through these different things. And he's kind of just put it out there like, you know, there's this idea that he doesn't necessarily have to go to the Bengals if he doesn't want to. Now, he didn't come out and say that. Uh, he just made the comment that he has leverage, which is an odd thing to say because um, contracts kind of are what they are. So it's not like you're doing it for contract negotiation purposes or anything really so much there. Um, it kind of gives the impression that Burrow may not have that much of an interest in going to the Bengals. And then when you hear that Carson Palmer has been talking to uh, talking to him and talking about how he, he was mistreated by the Bengals organization and has other former, former Bengals kind of supporting that notion. Uh, it has you wondering like, is, is Joe Burrow going to completely blow up the, the top of the draft this year and throw a wrench in everything um, because right now he's the presumed number one overall pick, but he could decide that's not the way things are going to go. And who knows what happens from there? The board just goes crazy. Um, if he's not the pick at number one, 
there's a huge bidding war for these teams to try to get up to that point and try to get a hold of Joe Burrow. Or maybe there isn't, and maybe he falls um, to a team like Detroit who's picking it at three or or something like that, and maybe nobody trades up to get him. But it seems like it would send complete pandemonium at the top of the board. Um, obviously, that hasn't happened. I think the last time it happened was with Eli Manning. Uh, so it's been a while. I mean, he just retired. So uh, it's been a good while since we've had this kind of chaos at the top of the draft. Uh, what do you guys think about just the way that this quarterback is, you know, class and, and draft and free agency is shaping up? And uh, how much would it suck to be a Bengals fan if this turns out to be the case? <laughs> well, I mean, more than already does. Yeah, I mean, they might actually become the worst Ohio franchise. <laughs> oh, man, that's bad. That's really doing yourself in. Um, especially since uh, the Browns just hired Grigson for their front Yeah, office. they so, did. Oh, man, big sweaties back in the O. Just keep lowering that bar. <laughs> <sighs> and, if, and if the Bengals somehow manage to crawl under it, whew, that's rough. That's a rough look. Yeah, I, I don't know what to expect from that. That's a that was pretty weird news. Um, obviously, nothing is set, and it could have been taken a little bit out of context in terms of the way he meant it. But it's a weird thing to say when you know that you're very much at the top of the news cycle, and that any comments that you make uh, regarding your placement—I mean, he's not an unintelligent guy. He's gonna definitely know what kind of impact those words are gonna have. Yeah, and and that just gets the you know the whole media thing spinning up and getting everybody you know, very worked up and excited. I'm sure there are some teams in the five, six, seven range that are definitely thinking, how do I get as much draft capital as possible so that I could go up and get him uh, if, if he's not going to go to the Bengals? I mean, so if I'm the Bengals though, I, even if, if Joe Burrow came out tomorrow and said, yeah, no, I meant it. I definitely don't want to play for the Bengals. I don't want to be a part of that organization at all. If I'm the Bengals, I'm drafting Joe Burrow and I'm calling his bluff. This isn't John Elway. He doesn't, he's not going to go play for the Yankees. I mean, what, what's he going to do? He, I mean, he's well, got to play. I wondered, like what leverage does he actually have? I mean, Eli had to basically throw a fit on television right? and get his dad involved and pull a bunch of levers while the cameras just sat there and watched him cry about it. Well, um, and it's, it's not like the Bengals are like going to become a winning organization immediately anyway. So they yeah, could well. feel pretty content to say, fine, we'll let you sit and we'll start our previous franchise quarterback, Andy Dalton. And we'll be we'll be as bad as we were and we'll have an opportunity to surround you with more talent. And then we'll do this again next year. And if you keep, you know, if you keep digging your heels in, well, you know, then we'll be able to maybe deal you for something valuable to us down the road. Um, or or yeah, maybe I, or maybe we get a chance to deal you and we draft uh, if we're number one again, we draft. Um, I'm blanking on his name, Trevor Lawrence, from, right, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean. And then we send you off to somebody who's quarterback needy and feel better about the deal we got in the in the long run anyway. I mean, yeah. so, yeah, I have a hard time seeing how much leverage he legitimately has, but I do find it enjoyable to think about the chaos that could ensue. I don't I mean, think this really yeah. affects the Colts too terribly much because it's outside of their ability to move up. And I, don't, I wouldn't want them to completely leverage everything to go get Joe Burrow. I'm not convinced that he's just going to be this. Uh, savior of quarterbacking or anything like that. I mean, he's he had a good season in college, but he was also surrounded by a lot of weapons. And uh, while he's a good player, and I would be happy to have him on the Colts, I'm not sure that I want them completely selling out to go get him. So yeah, yeah, and I mean, I, I guess the only leverage Burrow really has if he set out the whole year, I'm pretty sure that his name goes back into the pool of drafted players or draftable players, so he could be drafted again the next year. And he would not be number one overall next year. No, he, he no. won't be. And the thing is, is that if he does that, if that's his leverage, then he's going to turn 25 during his rookie year. And, you know, that's not as important for quarterbacks because, you know, we're seeing guys play until they're 40. But still, at the same time, you're a 25-year-old rookie. That That's kind of old, I mean, to be a rookie in the NFL. Also, there's a part of me that thinks it would be pretty funny if he held out, went back, got drafted, like fell to like third and the Bengals were picking at third and drafted him again. I mean, like just, just, just like a spite draft of just yeah. like, 
just but, we're just going to draft you again. I mean, we, we're already terrible anyway. We're just going to go draft you again out of spite. And, uh, and really, really selling it too by throwing <laughs> away like a third pick, a third overall. <laughs> After uh, the first overall, yeah. Yeah. yeah, spend spend two top five picks on mm. the same pl- on the same player in separate yep. drafts <laughs> that you know is actively hostile against you and uh, just call them out again. I mean, I mean, Bengals fans would hate every minute of it, but I would, I would love it. <laughs> I would love it if you guys would it's do kind that. Of a, yeah, it's kind of a Bengals move. Well, it, it really, it, it really it, is. It makes it makes uh, so little sense. Only an NFL franchise would do it. Yes. So I, I think I think it's it's about it's gonna happen. You just Guys, predicted the next two got, drafts. What happens if Joe Burrow spurns the Bengals and plays in the XFL instead? Mind blown. Ooh. Mind yeah. blown. That's Vince a possibility. M- Vince McMahon would be a very happy man. Yeah. Yeah. They'd throw some money at him too. Yeah, they would. Um so yeah, all of the craziness that could happen in the draft. I mean, it's so unpredictable. It's one of those things that's just it's completely ridiculous in terms of what kind of stuff can happen. Uh, but free agency is the next thing. And the Colts have a fair bit of of money, and that could definitely impact how they approach the draft. And one of the things that there's no shortage of in free agency this year is there's, there's quite a few good defensive tackles that are going to be free agents. So uh, I don't, I don't want to pigeonhole them there but Shepard if you had to pick is that the spot you think the Colts bolster themselves in free agency or do you think that they look somewhere else or do you think they just don't really invest a whole lot in free agency or or what what are your thoughts there it wouldn't surprise me to see him go after a defensive tackle in free agency um we've seen Chris Ballard you know kind of find guys at that spot uh, in the past um and you know Danico Autry um you know he he didn't break out like we thought he might this past year, but he's still a solid player. So we know that Chris Ballard um, is willing to to kind of go that route in free agency to try to fill those gaps in the middle. It also, surprise Ryan me. Baker is was his college coach, D, uh, Danico Autry. Sure, I didn't know that, but thank yeah. you. Uh, so uh, just kind of an interesting tidbit. He may, I mean, maybe he'll have a resurgence. It'd be be very interesting if he did. Yeah, sure. Didn't mean to short circuit your thought there. No, no, no. It's okay. But, you know, it's just we've seen him fill gaps to that position before and do so successfully. So it, it wouldn't surprise me to see him dip, dip back into the free agent pool to kind of fill that um, with as many holes as the Colts have in other places. Uh, it wouldn't shock me. And, you know, he's going to want to see what Tyquan Lewis can do. And I know Lewis to this point, um, you know, it, He's, he's been a disappointment to us fans. I don't know how they feel about him internally, um, but, you know, they're going to want to see what he can do in the middle. And he's, you know, they move him around and they've moved him around to end some, but I, I do feel that he's more of, you know, a, a pass rushing three technique. Um, so he is going to play on the inside for the Colts, in my opinion. So, you know, I, I think that they're, they're probably not going to spend uh, a lot of resources if they do take a defensive tackle, unless it's a guy like Ken Law that falls or, you know, just a premier defensive tackle talent. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think the Colts go that route just because I think that they need to invest their resources in the draft elsewhere. Um, but you know, I think that signing a free agent could could fit and could work and could be smart for the Colts this year to to kind of plug that gap that we all know that they have. Well, and one of the X factors that is still an unknown is we have not heard from Anthony Costanzo yet. So we don't have definitive knowledge of whether he's returning. Um, The longer it goes, the more suspicious I am that he's going to be back because I don't think that he's going to leave them hanging. Uh, But you never know. I mean, he is Andrew Luck's close friend, so maybe they have that in common. They're going to drop that bomb on us uh, right before something important kicks off. But it seems like we would have heard something uh, if they were not working toward a deal. If, if he was going to go into retirement, it seems like they would have have uh, released something about that. But also they could be playing things close to the vest and they could have asked him to keep that quiet. Um, I, I, I don't know if that's something that they would do ahead of um, ahead of free agency. I would assume that by draft day, you're going to expect that people are going to know what's going on with him. Um. But obviously that's a huge need that kind of hangs over them because if they don't have, uh, if they're not set at left tackle, that's pretty much the most prominent need uh, for this team. And there might be some really good 
uh, tackles available for the Colts mm-hmm. in in the first round if they wanted to take a left tackle um, and bolster that position. And they might do it anyway. Uh, they might take a left tackle relatively early, maybe earlier than uh, may, even if he comes back and resigns, Colts fans might be surprised because they might take a left tackle um, at 34 or 44 um, and be a surprise there. I don't think we would expect that necessarily, but if he has weighed retirement this year, the chances are pretty good that he's retiring in the next couple of years. He's not going to play mm-hmm. for that much longer mm-hmm. if he's already considering it. And so you have to be thinking about replacing somebody now. And that's about as important. I mean, you've got quarterback edge and left tackle, and those are usually your top toughest to fill positions with a really good premier player so if you could grab one at 13 or or you know early in the second round i think you probably have to do it almost no matter what happens and that is going to be my least favorite pick um whenever they make it not because it's not a good pick but it's like it just feels like we're just treading water there because we already have a left tackle that's adequate that's not a position that we're actually upgrading we're just replenishing and that sucks because there's some really good players with those first couple picks that I'd like to see become Colts. Um, and I'm pretty, I've almost resigned myself to the fact that I'm going to be, there's going to be some heartbreak because there are some guys that I really like. And, uh, inevitably I'm not, they're not going to, uh, they're not going to be players that are going to end up, uh, in Colts uniforms and that's going to be disappointing, but. So Ballard's talked about it already about, uh, knowing that he's going to need to replace some some depth along the offensive line, uh, yeah. and he you know he talks about every year he talks about how he believes that the offensive line you've got to be ten deep with you know ten you have to have ten guys that that you believe can come in and, and play for you because you never know what's going to happen up front. So it, you know it wouldn't surprise me if we saw a guy uh, get taken on day two of the day one or day two. So the, anytime in the first three rounds, but I also think you might see, you know, a day three or maybe two day three guys uh, along the offensive line that Ballard likes that, you know, kind of fill, uh, kind of fill that, you know, that role of, of being a good depth guy. And, and so there might be a couple picks that people kind of scratch their head at because the Colts have a really good line, um, but like you said, you know, if they're trying to find a, a guy to come in and, and kind of develop and learn behind Costanzo if he decides to come back or to fill in immediately for him if he decides not to, um, I kind of think that Costanzo's just trying to get as much money as he possibly can, and I don't blame him. He should. Uh, I think he probably doesn't want to leave Indianapolis because he's been there for, you know, 10 years now. So, um, you know, I think he's probably seriously considering retirement, but. You know, it, it might be one of those things where, well, you know, if they give me twenty million, I'm I'm sure I could be motivated to play, uh, and you know, I get that. So he, you know, the Colts have it, uh, give it to him. He's really good. Uh, I actually just watched him. Uh, I just broke down his uh, his tape, um, not because I haven't watched a lot of Anthony Costanzo, but it's because it's something we're doing for the draft guide. Um, but I just broke it down, and Costanzo is he is still very much in his prime. He's not athletically probably what he used to be, but um, just from a technique standpoint, the guy is so solid. He's just so good. Um, He's consistent. He gets beat occasionally every now and then by a guy that's really a premier pass rusher. Um, But most left tackles are going to Costanzo is very, very good. Uh, And it will, it will be a huge detriment if he's not back. Um, And Chris, I'm, I'm very sorry about all the offensive linemen that I will be very (laughs) excited that the Colts will are drafting. So, well, I always I, – oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, you're right. All right so um, to what you said, I, I think I've come to expect that he's going to throw some depth at the offensive line. He kind of has, you know, every chance he's gotten, you know, for good or bad. You know, some unfortunately, some of them haven't worked out. But I just come to expect also that he's just kind of always tinkering on the defensive line. You know, he's always got – he's always looking for something better. And the lines, I just, other than, you know, the offensive line, we've got the the core that seems to be fairly set in stone as long as they're healthy. So we need that depth, but you're not tinkering up front with as much as they're rotating out on the defensive line. He always wants new pieces, new cogs in there. So I could see, to bolster once again what you said about free agency with, with the defensive line, that we could definitely, you know, plug some things in there. But I just always feel mm-hmm. like, that's always in flux more than the offensive line, but we definitely need that depth. And I'm all for exactly what you laid out, Shepard, which is, you know, we need that. If, if worst case scenario, we need somebody behind 
Costanzo. And then we always need more depth on the offensive line. Right. Yeah. I, I, I just think at this point, the Colts have foregone addressing the receiver position in a significant way in a while. Obviously they added Paris Campbell last year. And I think that was a good pick, uh, but we're not really sure what that means at this point because he was so injured, uh, so injury plagued in his rookie season that we don't really know what he is. Um, and I just wonder if they have to spend a premier pick on a on a receiver, uh, namely Henry Ruggs. Uh, definitely do that, Chris Ballard. I would appreciate it. Thank you. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I there's this is a great receiver class. That is probably the weakest spot on the roster with the exception of potentially quarterback. Um, and if you don't feel that you can address the quarterback position this year, or even if you do feel like you, you're going to address that position, but maybe um, maybe you don't intend for that player to play, which I think would probably be wise based on the players that will be available, unless something odd happens. Um I, th- I think that it would make sense to address. I-, I wouldn't be surprised if the first three picks are offense. Um, it wouldn't surprise me a bit if it was some, or even the first four, some combination of receiver, quarterback, uh, tackle. None of that would surprise me. Um, they've gone pretty defensive heavy in the past couple drafts, mm-hmm. and that's yielded good results. And we've got a young defense that I think could continue to get better. Um and, and obviously, you know, we we haven't seen as much of some of these young guys as we like to. Uh, we didn't see a ton of Ben Banigou. We didn't see you know nearly as much as we wanted to have come up with Ture because of his injury. Uh, you get a couple guys like that on and active and have uh, a couple years of, of growth under their belt. And you have an opportunity to really kind of have something. And we didn't. Same thing with Taekwon Lewis. Uh, you know, he was kind of. Uh, on the sideline a little bit in the past year, and we didn't just didn't see a lot of him. And and uh, there are some things we need to see from those young guys. And some of that is is shortcomings on their part. But also, we started a lot of young guys in the secondary. And if we have steps forward from some of those guys uh, and some improvement, you could have a pretty solid defense. And so then, what do you need? Uh, especially if you if you think and like I think, and again. Um, I think one of the biggest issues with Jacoby Brissett was his anticipation and throwing guys, not his unwillingness to throw guys open. What better Mm -hmm. option than to provide him some pass catchers that don't need you to have quite as much anticipation because, uh, and, and some of this would be left to scheme for Reich, but, um, get these guys open in space, get some really good playmakers and make it easier on the quarterback. And then maybe Jacoby is not ideal, but maybe he's good enough. If you have, a closer to elite cast of receivers instead of just T.Y. Hilton and a bunch of guys. So I've got real good news, bad news situation, Chris, for you and your your desire for a wide receiver early. Uh, the earliest wide receiver Chris Ballard has ever been a part of drafting. So anytime he's worked in the front office for any NFL team, the earliest he's ever taken a receiver was last year when he took Paris Campbell. So that's that's the bad news. The good news is, is that every time we've ever seen Chris Ballard have a a serious hole in a roster, he has thrown draft picks at it like crazy early and often. So, um, you know, whether it was with offensive line, whether it was with the linebacker core, um, you know, we saw him throw a lot of picks at a lot of, you know, even even the defensive backs. He's thrown a lot of picks there because there was a hole there. So. Uh, it's possible that Chris Ballard goes um, that way, and he he gives you Henry Henry Ruggs like you want so deep, deeply. Um, but it would be the absolute earliest by far Ballard has ever taken a receiver. Yeah, I I'm just I'm going to be hopeful. I'm not ex- I'm not <laughs> expecting anything. Uh, it'd be fantastic, um, and yeah, I, I it would be it'd be great, but. That said, there are a lot of really good receivers in this draft class. Henry Ruggs is not the only one. He, I think, um, to me, stood out among them because he's he's stupid fast. He's going to run a sub four three forty, and he look and when he plays, there are some guys that run that, and like I mean, think about Naheem Hines. He is a fast guy, and he doesn't play on the field at his track speed. I don't think. Right. No, um, he he's he's fast. He's definitely not slow and nobody would say that, but he doesn't like if he, if you put him and had him run a 40, he's probably going to run a blazing one, but he doesn't play like he's running quite that fast. And Henry Ruggs does. I mean, he, he takes off and he's just, 
he's just stupid fast. And he offers a, a kick return option. I'm going to gush over Henry Ruggs until draft day. Mm-hmm. And he's going to go to the Patriots. I guarantee you this is uh, how this is going to go down. Because because let me tell you, I really liked Sony Michelle um, as a running back. And then he went to the Patriots. And then he you know has not been very good, which... I'm not. I'm going to take the L on my evaluation of Sony Michelle, but also <laughs> screw you, Patriots. I'm glad that this happened to you. So, um, I, I I would be excited about a number of those receivers, and I think that you're right. I think that Ballard is going to address those positions of weakness uh, with multiple picks because he understands that the draft is not a sure thing. And uh, I was listening to and a good podcast this time of year. If you're if you're interested in draft related stuff, uh, the Move the Sticks podcast is really good this time of year. Um, I'm not a huge Bucky Brooks fan, but I really like Daniel Jeremiah. I think his analysis is really solid. And he was talking about what it takes to be considered a really good draft class. And he was talking about if you hit four picks in a draft class, you've had it. You have a really good draft class. Um, and. Obviously, if you have nine picks, that's telling you that you're going to miss on most of your, I mean, like half of your picks are going to be misses. Mm -hmm. So you probably need to take more than one at a position if you hope to hit on one. Uh, If your odds are 50-50, that needs to be taken into consideration. And yeah, you're going to have guys like Reese Fountain that you hope come back and Paris Campbell that you hope take a step forward and Zach Paschal, who you hope improves. Uh, But you can't lean on that and hope that that's I mean that's that's a lot of hoping uh, without a whole lot of action and you know if you hit on somebody who can supplement T.Y. Hilton you can add four or five years to his career because he doesn't have to be the top guy anymore and on a on a in a game where he's hurt maybe he sits instead of playing through a high ankle sprain or maybe he I mean you maybe let him rest and get better um, instead of just kind of trying to play through injury and be kind of the hero of the of the receiver core. So I think that we can expect them to address that position, whether they do it in the first round. I would be a little surprised, honestly, if they did it in the first round. It wouldn't surprise me maybe if they if they did it at 34, um, just because there will probably be some pretty good receivers available still at that point. But there will be some guys uh, deep into I – mean, you watched, I think, Denzel Mims um, at the Senior Bowl, and I remember quite a bit of buzz around him. And he's, from what I've heard, sort of a you know guy who could possibly be – a day late day two day three guy uh depending on how things fall and you know could be a really i mean but but maybe has the talent to be even higher than that there's just so many good receivers in this class that uh that they could could legitimately fall there and it'll be interesting uh the the nice thing is with chris ballard you can count on the fact that he is going to have a good reason why he picks everybody that he picks um and he's going to, I mean, you'll get, we'll get done with this draft and we'll look back and go, oh, he told us exactly what he was going to do. And then we overthought it and got confused and somehow didn't see what the plan was, even though he mm-hmm. literally told us exactly what it was. I kind of, I kind of called a few of the picks last year. I'm, I'm not going to pat myself on the back too hard, but uh, I'm definitely patting myself on the back a little. Yeah. I mean, that is your style. Well, and, and so speaking of free agency, there, Blystone, it really is. Um, do you think? Do you think Ballard would possibly try to bolster a wide receiver again via free agency, or has he maybe felt a little, you know, bitten by that with how our last free agent wide receiver signing really turned I, out for us, or high profile, I guess you should say, free agent I, signing. I just feel like, I don't know, it's going to be an interesting year for free agent receivers just because there's so many good draft picks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's going to probably push down the value on some of these guys. And then some of the guys that are going to be available are guys that maybe are questionable in terms of fits with the Colts. Because you got a player who's really talented like Stefan Diggs, but we know that character is sort of the the prime thing that the Colts look at and it's not that he's a bad guy but he kind of did an Eric Ebron on his team where he basically wasn't getting his way and so he threw a fit and that's not great that's definitely not something that that Chris Ballard is going to be super anxious to bring in and then you've got guys uh, like Amari Cooper who are going to be really expensive and is the return going to be there um, I have a feeling if he goes for anybody, here's my prediction, and I don't know that this is necessarily a good one. If he does bring in a free agent receiver, uh, watch Nelson Aguilar uh, because it wouldn't surprise me to see him added because I'm sure he'll be a low-cost guy. Um, familiar with Frank Reich, maybe another good kind of rotational player, and I don't think that he would cost very much because 
he's he's not going to be like a high demand player so that's my that's my just shot in the dark if they were to pick up somebody in free agency so if the colts do sign nelson aguilar uh, in every single article i write next year it's going to include the clip of the the guy in philadelphia who was catching babies that was getting thrown out of the burning building and i mean it's an amazing clip where he says yeah no they was catching him unlike unlike aguilar Aguilar. (laughs) (laughs) Every article it's going in. I'm going to, I'm going to work at it. That would be excellent. <laughs> it, it should just be like Quentin Nelson had three pancakes, unlike Aguilar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, right. uh, I, I don't anticipate that they're going to sign somebody real high profile. Um, that's not really Ballard's style ever anyway. Mm-hmm. And they're not at a point like if there was a player out there that they could go and get that they thought would make them better, that they also like, you know, I don't know to me, it seems like when they go out and spend money on a bigger name guy, they're doing it on defense. They're not necessarily as willing to do that on offense. And I don't know if that's just Ballard's personal philosophy or if that's just the way it's broken uh, recently, but I feel like he's going to want to build through the draft as much as he possibly can. And at a position where there's so much talent there, it seems just counterintuitive that they would spend a whole lot of money in free agency. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I kind of agree with that. Um, just because of the, like you said, the draft is so deep, if nothing else, if, you know, we've seen Chris Ballard trade up and trade down in the draft, but uh, you know, if he were to trade down from one of the second rounders, you know, assuming that he doesn't use them both to move up to go get a quarterback, uh, if if he were to to trade back and just collect a couple of more mid-round picks and take a couple swings at wide receivers, there are going to be receivers available this year in the fourth and fifth round that are going to that would be, you know, maybe late second, early third round picks most years because there's just it's a it becomes a supply and demand issue. It's the same same thing in what year was it that Marlon Mack was drafted? 17. Um, mm-hmm. Marlon Marlon Mack was not a. a what did we get him in the fifth, the fourth, or fourth, the fifth? Fourth round, one, yeah, one fifty something, I think. Yeah, in other years, Marlon Max going third round at the latest. Um, so you know, it, it's going to slide some guys down the board. It, like you said, it is going to devalue guys in free agency. But you know, I just, I don't know, I, I, I don't necessarily think that Chris Ballard's going to want to bring a, another free agent receiver in, Jim, like you talked about. It, it hasn't worked out so great. Um, so, you know, I, I think that if nothing else, we see him throw multiple mid-round picks because the class is so deep. And, and uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what we get. Maybe we do bring in a guy like Denzel Mims, who uh, is a big physical receiver who really likes to block. I'd be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Well, well, and and one thing that we haven't really talked about, I haven't really heard anybody mention this as a possibility, probably because many of the people on Colts Twitter really don't want this to be a possibility. Um, if the Colts really like the quarterback class of, of 2021 or the, the potential quarterback class better, uh, it's also very possible that they could use this year to trade back mm-hmm. uh, and acquire more draft capital in yeah. the mentality that they may need to move up next year. Um, right to get a quarterback. Maybe, maybe they have several guys in that class that they think, you know what, if everybody goes wild at quarterback uh, in, in this draft with some guys, we're not really totally sold on. And we have three or four guys that we think could be really good next year. We're going to move, we're going to move out of this 13th pick and try to get more picks um, and maybe make a way for us to get up there and get a guy that we really are going to be happy with next year. So, um, and if you think you've got depth at, at you know some of the different positions like receiver and and you know defensive line and and whatever other positions that you you like guys at and and you can move back and get those Ballard has proven time and again he's a fan of that so it it wouldn't surprise me to even see that be the case I know that that is very cringy an idea for most Colts fans you do not want to see them move out of 13 uh if anything you want to see them move up and um yeah, and then of course on draft day, there's going to be all of the crazy things that ensue that just completely go unexpected. I mean, Tua could have weird medicals that come back and cause him to plummet. Um, you know, anything could happen on on draft day when stuff like that starts rolling, and so um, it's going to be an interesting thing to follow. We are actually going to be at the combine. Stampede Blue will be. We're we're credentialed uh, for the combine. Brett and I will both be there. Um, 
the week of the combine. Pretty cool thing. That's the first year that this has happened for Stampede Blue. So we're going to have uh, boots on the ground at the combine. We've had them before in the form of, I think, Matt and Jake have been present at the combine to talk to scouts and, and just kind of hang around and stuff. But you can't actually get in and talk to players or anything like that, uh, watch workouts or anything, um, unless you're actually credentialed there, which is kind of a pain because it is right in our backyard. And, and so it's pretty cool to be able to actually have access to that. And so, so we're going to kind of be watching that carefully, giving you some coverage there. Um, and we've got the draft guide, like you said, Shepard, we're going to be doing some things differently this year in the draft guide. And we're actually going to profile each position group. We're going to profile the Colts existing players uh, to kind of give you an idea of where they rate and then give you a barometer by which to compare incoming players so that when we we tell you what our projections are uh you'll be able to kind of see how it lines up against the guys we already have and see if they're if we think they're an improvement um or if they have at least the potential to be an improvement and i think that'll add some depth to the draft and and make it um or to the draft guide and and make it maybe make a little bit more sense in terms of how we're doing our grading so i'm pretty excited about that yeah, and another thing too, we know just based on what Chris Ballard has told us that they use a horizontal draft board, which means that they're obviously they're ranking uh, draft draftable prospects by themselves, but then they're also ranking them against the players that the Colts have horizontally across the board too. So, you know, obviously we can't recreate exactly what Chris Ballard is doing, but you know, this is like a, this is like you go to, you know, a truck stop bathroom and you see our version of this is our version of whatever cologne, you know, that's on the wall. So it's uh, you know, it, it's as close as we can get to what they do. Uh, and I think that it could be really eye opening to see, you know, the, the types of players uh, that we think could upgrade uh, different positions that the Colts have. So, you know, there's probably there's not going to I, there's not going to be a whole lot of guys that are going to upgrade a guy like Anthony Costanzo that are available in this draft. Um, but you know, you never know when uh, you see. Well, we we might be able to upgrade. You know the you know, a tight end position or or whatever. Just something that we didn't necessarily see coming. Um, you know, I think that that's why the Colts have been successful, other than great evaluation. Uh, is the fact that you you draft a guy like Kari Willis in the fourth round. Chris Ballard traded up to get Kari Willis, and he probably, if I had to guess, I would say he did that because he saw that Kari Willis was a guy who would upgrade a position for the Colts based on where they had him ranked against their own players. So self-scouting is a, is a big part of what the Colts do, and hopefully we can we can kind of bring a little bit that uh, of that uh, to the, the draft guide this year and, and kind of give people an idea of what prospects might uh, might line up favorably with the guys that are on the roster. Absolutely. I, I don't know what our hit rate is on guys in terms of the draft. I don't know if you follow that very carefully with yours, um, Shepard. I I have had uh, safeties and tight ends uh, over the past couple drafts, and I haven't followed. Tight ends are really tough as rookies to, to grade, so I haven't really been too harsh on my, my tight ends. But I feel pretty good about my safeties because a couple of the guys that I uh, had ranked a little bit higher than than others have done pretty well for themselves. I, I really liked Justin Reed. I think he was my safety two uh, in that class behind. No, that's not. He, he was number three in that class uh, behind Derwin James and Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, who were both pretty easy uh, evaluations. And I felt pretty good about it. He's played pretty well, but I don't know that that was uh, like groundbreaking stuff, but always nice to kind of get it right. Um, although I'll be honest with you, I did not get the hype with Derwin James and he made me look like a fool. So I'm not going to pat myself on the back too much. I still had him ranked highly, but I thought, man, this guy's a projection. I'm really afraid he's going to bust. And then he was awesome. So, um, always a little bit of a crapshoot. It's nice to know that, you know, the, the pros miss a lot as well. Uh, makes you feel a little bit better when you do miss, but. Uh, we do work out really, really hard on this draft guide, guys. We're doing uh, all kinds of new things this year to try to make it better. We're grading a lot more prospects each, and then we're kind of comparing notes with. So before we've always done one position group completely ourselves and then tried to stack this big board together. And that makes it kind of a nightmare because everybody grades differently. And now we're grading position groups with a buddy. And so we're all grading them together and then we're going to hash out the details uh, with one another after we're kind of finished and, and find out areas of conflict and where we differ on players and stuff. So I think this will make a better guide, uh, but it's definitely going to make more work because I, I have like, I think 60 guys that I got to grade uh, mm-hmm. in addition to the Colts players. 
And so, yeah, there's a lot of grinding over the next month to do in terms of watching uh, film of some of these different players. And uh, we are working really hard for it, guys. It's the pre-order is up now. You can go check it out. I believe it's there's a post on Stampede Blue, but you can also go to ColtsDraftGuide.com, uh, and that's where our guide is hosted. And you can you can pre-order it. You can download free the uh, 2019 guide if you want to get a look at that and see what it actually looks like and what you'd be getting. Uh, no cost to you to do that. So check those out. Um, like I said, no cost there. You can see what you're going to get. There's going to be some slight differences because we're adding some features and we've done that kind of consecutively every year, but worth doing. It's $4.99 uh, is the cost of the draft guide, not real expensive. So uh, considering that you get something like 300, uh, 300 guys, you know, pretty carefully graded in addition to uh, in-depth looks at the Colts roster and all these other things, there's there's some good stuff in there. So if, if you appreciate Stampede Blue and what we do, we appreciate you uh, supporting us in that way. And if you just if you don't really care about supporting us, but you just want to be informed about the draft and you're a Colts fan, it's a great resource. Um, and we're actually starting to hit our stride a little bit. We've got some pretty bona fide, uh, you know, film and, and draft guys on staff now that that we um, have been. Uh, it's it's not just Shepard and you know Matt who who really dig into that stuff. Um, we've got some guys who are really really into that, and you know like you know Carter writes for Stampy Blue. I don't think he's gonna be involved in the in the draft, but he works for the Draft Network as well. And uh, and Zach obviously is is uh, always neck deep in draft related stuff, regardless of the time of year. So mm-hmm. good stuff. I think you're gonna appreciate it. And if you don't. Um, complain to Brett about it, not me. <laughs> that's, 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 that's my plug. Um, guys, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Hopefully to return sooner than like a month. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's been a, uh, it's been good to get back and, and, you know, do another podcast. It's been uh, mm-hmm. the past month. I know has been kind of crazy for all three of us at different times. We've all kind of said like, Hey, let's try to do a podcast. And then for one reason or another, just, it just hasn't worked. So uh, hopefully we do come back earlier and uh, good to talk to you guys. And hopefully the next time we talk, we'll, uh, we'll have some more exciting news to talk about. Absolutely. And, and hopefully Jim's life is going to settle down a little bit because he's just, <laughs> he's just, I mean, I, I just realized uh, like halfway through that Jim, you casually dropped a, my wife has cancer, uh, thing well, in no, the, yeah. the podcast. Uh, so our, some of our listeners may have been thrown for a big loop. I, I, I don't, you don't have to go into detail there, but that's, that's just a snippet of like, of Jim, <laughs> of Jim's life over the last several months. Uh, and and is, that's the, the crazy thing, like that's not the most pressing part of my life at the moment. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, the craziest of it. If you were to describe Jim's life over the past two months, it would be, oh, yeah, and my wife has cancer. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, like, it's, 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 been, it's been a little hectic and crazy. And so. Yeah. Uh, but she's doing it, good. Um, to let people know, she's actually doing really well. Um, so don't, you know, uh, don't freak out. She's, she's on medication. I think she's, I think we're on a steady path to, you know, keeping it at bay. Um, we've only been on the medication for a week or so, but so far no bad side effects or anything. And all of her scans and she's been through every one of them over the past two months have actually come up clear post-surgery, uh, where they removed a lot of bad stuff, including part of her stomach. Um, but she's bounced back tremendously. She's an incredible woman. Um, and then I'm going to leave her alone up here with the kids for two months while I move to Florida. <laughs> and then uh, they can follow me down once the kids are done with school. Um, yeah, it's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Insanity is, is uh, has fallen upon this home quite, yeah. quite a bit. And, and I, I lost a dog along the way also. Um yeah, it's so. it, it. Jim has just been trying to do all the things this off season. Yeah, um, well, so, I had to cram it all in because now yeah. I got to also figure out how to watch the Colts game from right outside Tampa. So if our listeners, uh, you know, are in the Tampa area, um, I, uh, I, I assume you'll be able to watch the Colts game. 
Yeah, I assume that your best friend is going to be NFL streams on Reddit, and I, I think oh, that's probably, probably that's probably yeah. going to be your best bet. But also, you could just go over to a Jags fan's house because they're secretly Colts fans anyway. Uh, no, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I, I was, I was going to tell you that off air because I don't want to let everybody know that I illegally stream every Colts game played, but that's definitely what I do, so, you know. Yeah, I, I figured that was probably going to be the case. Uh, I will be working at a at a university down there, so I thought maybe I could swing with my university email to uh, get that really crazy deal they offer for Sunday ticket for students. Um, Just make a deal with a student. Well, I might. I might have to. So I tried that. I work at a university now, and I tried it like three years ago. Uh, and I was like, I was getting in. I was like, oh, yeah. I'm going to get Sunday ticket for like 50 bucks a month. I don't need direct or 50 bucks a year. And I don't need direct TV. Plus my brother-in-law lives in Virginia. So he would also like to have access to that. And uh, it actually asked me for like, you know, enrollment information. And I was like, Oh, really NFL? Like the email wasn't enough. You got to actually make me produce documents to get a $50 discount on your already overpriced thing. No, thank you. (laughs) So I'll try it again when I get down there, though. You never know. So Jim is going to be finding some way. So if you know yeah. of a way for Jim to watch the NFL from Florida, those of you who are yeah. from from Florida, uh, let Jim know because he would appreciate it. Because I'm, I'm going to be smack dab between Orlando and Tampa. I am more than happy to you know meet up at a bar uh, that you know you know you can watch the games at and. I'll be there. Well, in Florida, and so and there. remember, Jim, we did send a T.Y. Hilton jersey to a listener in Florida. Yes, uh, we did. Actually, <laughs> uh, I am put our friend up on on Twitter. Yeah. yeah, I totally forgot that he was in Tampa. So you're going to be in his neck of the woods. So, yep. yeah, uh, so yeah, absolutely. Um, crazy stuff going on with Stampede Blue podcast in general, guys. But we're going to try to get back into a little bit more of a group. We may not have any good football talk for you, but we'll try to be entertaining over the next couple of weeks. Uh, if you have topics you want us to cover, if you have anything that you want us to talk about, we're happy to. Uh, to field requests and we're going to try to you know be doing this at least weekly um we're going to try to be better about it than we than we have been over the past couple weeks and get back into a little bit of a groove here after taking a kind of a break uh we've obviously got a lot of draft content coming up over the entire month of march and most of the month of april leading up to the draft there will be daily uh I have a, a series going up that on Stampede Blue is going to be daily uh, countdowns of relevant or imp- significant draft picks uh, in Colts history in Indianapolis Colts history, I should specify. Uh, so we'll have that going up. We'll have some other, you know, other stuff. Hopefully we'll try to get more content up for you on Stampede Blue. I know I at least have been slacking in that department, but um, try to get through this, this lull of the season. Maybe you're enjoying the XFL. Uh, I haven't had a chance Absolutely. to really sit down and watch that too much, but I've heard good things so far. Um, yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. It's actually, okay. it's, a, it's a really exciting league so far. Well, maybe we'll have to pick a team and just like start doing some XFL breakdowns yeah, over, that'd the, be fun. over the next I watched, couple of weeks. I got to watch a couple chunks of the games this last weekend, maybe like 15, 20 minutes at a time. And you know, the, the little bit, I watched me some PJ Walker. Yeah. And, and uh, it was exciting. I actually saw him rifle one uh, into mm-hmm. the end zone. That was really impressive. So, yeah, it was some fun football. I like some of the changes. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Well, maybe we'll have to do an XFL segment here, but we'll, we'll get some stuff in the works for you guys, and uh, we'll try to get back here regularly at least once a week. And, guys, I think that's about all I've got. I don't know. If, uh, I'm surprised that we didn't quite make it to an hour and 15 minutes, but when there's no football to really talk about to speak of, I guess that's pretty much what you get. You get an abbreviated podcast by 10 whole minutes. So we just uh, can't pull through that extra 10 minutes. (laughs) We could just, we could just talk about nothing for, we could just like reenact an episode of Seinfeld for the next 10 minutes. I could go through all the list of things I have to do to move to Florida. Yeah, that would be good. That's what we'll do. We'll just go out to that. Shepard and I are going to leave, yeah. and Jim is just going to list his to-do list for you guys yeah, for the next 10 it's minutes. It's going to be great. Oh, uh, We're probably going to have an hour and a half extra, so just, yeah. <laughs> You'll get a cup of coffee. I'll be here a while. Let's do this. All right, guys. Well, um, we will be back sometime next week and thanks for, for coming back and listening to us. And if you thought that we fell off the face of the earth, we're still here. Um, and we hope to 
to hear uh, have you back next time. And until then, guys, I will catch you all later. Laters. Bye. I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.